0: I was in an all-day training session. And I started to have feelings of, you know, my sight not being quite right. Well, I made it back home and you know, laid on the couch that night because I didn't want to, you know, wake up the family. So when I woke up and I needed to use the restroom, I, everything was everything was a lot darker than it was uh, normally. So stumbled my way to the restroom and turned on the light switch and. That's when uh, I saw that, well, I didn't see. (laughs) I I saw that I didn't see. I, I was blind at that point.
1: Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real people, real stories, real hope. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my hostess with the mostest, my beautiful wife. Her name is... Just
2: Jen.
1: And you're along with us as we keep this a hope train and moving on down the tracks.
2: Choo That's my favorite part. <laughs> I swear.
1: I wish we had a real hope train. We do. Well, the train going by is what we call the hope train. Yeah. Like like a real hope train. You know, get on, everyone's full of hope and...
2: Yeah, that's what we're creating.
1: I know. We are I'm, the Hope Train. We're creating it virtually. I'm just talking about like the real... Like
2: you want to get on the train and go. Yeah, like in Disneyland. Ride. Yeah,
1: like I love that. Like when you're really tired in Disneyland, what do you yes. like to do? You like to jump on the train that goes around the whole park.
2: Oh my gosh, and go through the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part.
1: I like going into, what is it, prehistoric, where, where they got the dinosaurs and the stuff. The Grand Canyon. Is that where the dinosaurs are? Yeah. Well, I like that.
2: <laughs> I guess we're on the same page.
1: I guess we are. And then uh Autopia going into the future. Huh? When you go into Autopia, isn't that like future land?
2: Futuristic cars?
1: No, what's that called? That's called Tomorrowland?
2: Tomorrowland. Oh, future yeah. land? The land of tomorrow.
1: <laughs> I don't I don't think uh Disney predicted it or saw that future society would be dealing <laughs> with the pandemic. No. Yeah, we've actually lamented the fact that uh, we we don't get a chance to go to Disneyland any longer.
2: I know, we're sad.
1: Yeah, our kids are sad, too.
2: Yes, we're all sad.
1: It's sad that we don't have that opportunity.
2: I know, because it's the happiest place in the whole wide world.
1: I know, and uh, I guess they're just not open, right? Like, they haven't been open since March? Like, the real Disneyland, not Disney World.
2: flash: nothing's opened.
1: Grocery stores. Yeah. Gas stations.
2: That's not exciting. (laughs)
1: there's no rides at gas stations you can ride no i know ew stop (laughs) now i just realized what happened (laughs) all right so how you doing today
2: i am doing great
1: living your best pandemic life
2: i'm always just living my best life
1: yeah every day roll with the punches right
2: one day at a time
1: rise 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 to the challenge yes overcome Mm -hmm. persevere yeah get stuff done how are you doing I'm doing all right, yeah. I think that, uh, you know, every day is different. Some days are better than others.
2: Every day is different.
1: I woke up this morning with all the intention in the world to ride the Peloton, which I did, and then work out, and then somehow my plans got disrupted. Yeah. Our second oldest son comes down and surprises us, and that gym is not big enough for three of us.
2: Yeah, technically it's only big enough for me, but I'm sharing, and sharing is caring.
1: Jennifer. Yeah?
2: Yeah. You kicking me out? No.
1: You better not be. <laughs> the only thing keeping me sane right now is my fitness, so you know I got to stay on top of that.
2: Yeah, but there's 24 hours in the day. I mean, technically, everyone can, you know, choose a time slot.
1: This is true. You know, there's but. no. Yes, you're right. <laughs> everyone can. Yeah. All right, you ready for joke time?
2: I'm ready for joke time. Well,
1: let's tell some funnies. Let's make some people laugh. Okay. Let's let's get in touch with your budding comedian. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. Okay. Let's hear it.
2: Oh, you're right. I'm going first? Yeah, you're going to go first. Oh, okay. If April showers bring May flowers, what do May flowers bring? June gloom. (gasps) Pilgrims. (laughs)
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: (laughs) That's a cute one. (laughs) That is a
1: cute one. I should have gotten that one.
2: Pilgrims. I, w- I was too
1: stuck on the on the dates thinking that somehow, some way the answer was relative to the next month.
2: It's almost Thanksgiving time.
1: I can't believe it. I
2: know. We need pilgrims.
1: Pilgrims and turkeys.
2: And turkeys. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Mashed potatoes with uh, gravy. Oh my gosh. Jennifer. What's your favorite Thanksgiving dish?
1: What is my favorite Thanksgiving dish? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll I'll talk about what you make.
3: Okay.
1: I love the, the yams with the oh, yeah. the Sweet marshmallow potato, on top. And then like brown you have
2: sugar and butter. Oh
1: yeah. And then yeah. you and then you have to take a little bit of that and then scoop some mashed potatoes with it and then like the combo of the yams and the and the marshmallows mm. and the potatoes, it's it's yeah. bliss. It's pure Super bliss. Good. Yeah. Green, what about you?
2: I I love that, and I love the green bean casserole. What? Yeah, I really green do. Green bean casserole? And then, Did you really just say that? Yeah, and you know what else I really love is just the canned, not homemade, but canned cranberry.
1: Yeah, I like canned cranberry. It's the
2: only time I eat cranberry, and I love it.
1: What's your favorite dessert?
2: Um, hmm. I don't really judge desserts. I'll eat them all. What
1: do you mean you don't judge desserts? I just love desserts. Desserts need to be judged.
2: No, I'll eat whatever's out there.
1: You don't have a favorite?
2: No, because I want to try all of them. So I never just pick one pie. If there's like ten different pies, I want a piece of every pie.
1: (laughs) I'll agree with you there because you got to take a little bit of a of a pecan and then and and a little bit of pumpkin. The pumpkin with the pecan. Mm. Oh.
2: Do you remember that time we went to Mexico for Thanksgiving? We had tamales and the kids like... Kobe hated it. Oh my gosh. It was the worst. <laughs> it was the worst Thanksgiving ever. I mean, for not for us, but for him because he's so sentimental and he loves yeah. his Thanksgiving dinner and he's like tamales.
1: Well, if it's if he's sentimental, that will be one to remember. Yeah.
2: Tamales rice. That and was beans. the one that
1: was different. He'll never forget it. Yeah.
2: You don't get better tamales than in Mexico.
1: I mean, especially tamales in Mexico during Thanksgiving. Oh my god. That's gosh. like the best product you can offer.
2: Heavenly. So,
1: All right. You ready for my joke? I'm
2: ready for your joke.
1: All right, here we go. All right, you ready for my joke? I'm ready. So, my father has schizophrenia, but he's good people. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that
2: that was very punny.
1: Oh, look at you roll out no the pun, pun intended.
2: Oh, <laughs>
1: look at you! You are so funny.
2: I didn't get it.
1: You didn't get it? No. Schizophrenia. Yeah. Multiple personality disorder. My oh. father has schizophrenia, but he's good people.
2: Okay. <laughs> so he's a lot of different people.
1: <laughs> yeah, all good. So that one show that we watched.
2: Yeah. What's yeah. that? That weird, scary yeah, show. Yeah,
1: that. Uh, Sliver, slice. slice.
2: No, split. Split. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're funny. Yeah, split. Where he's got 21 personalities. Yeah, they're all good people.
2: They're all good people.
1: No, his were his not. were not. His no. were not good people.
2: One was not good.
1: Well, I want to talk about good people. You ready to talk about good people? I am ready. Well, I've got Brian Wagner coming on the line. He's going to be our next guest. We're mm-hmm. going to interview him. And uh, he had a crazy situation happen to him in 2011, where he basically went blind temporarily for like six months. And so we're going to talk with him about what that was like. Like and, he couldn't and, see at all. Well, effectively, yeah. I think I think that like he could tell that there was light and stuff, but I don't. Oh, I don't think it, it, it had to do scary. with a. Um, it's not really an aneurysm, but it had to do with a with a blood clot and or okay. he'll he'll tell us okay. in the interview. But That's uh, scary. But uh, really, what has come out of that mm-hmm. is the hope. Like he's completely changed his life. He's now a speaker. He's an encourager. He, you know, advocates that people live their best life. And he's got um, some great hope nuggets. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited about the interview. So I want to I want to bring him on, Brian Wagner, and uh, talk to him about his life and talk to him about hope. You ready? I'm ready. All right, let's get him on the line. All right, I've got Brian Wagner on the line. Brian, welcome to Hope Radio Podcast. How are you?
0: I am awesome. How are you?
1: Hey, we are doing fantabulous. We're living our best pandemic life in the Sierra Nevada foothills of Northern California, trying to, at present... Make sure we are not in the path of any fires, which thankfully we are not. So we are, we're having a good day. There's actually blue skies out, sunshine and blue skies. So this is a rare thing for us in the last like month and a half.
0: Well, yeah. Peak Ohio. Um, that's where I am. We don't have that. You, you can't say <laughs> we're on the foothills of anything right now. So I mean, it's, it's just, it's just flatlands. but uh, it's a good place to be. Great place to raise a family and, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So well, I'm, I'm
1: I'm glad to hear that. So I you, there's times where I wished that I was in a flatlands area over the last six weeks. That's for sure. And uh, you know, just thank you once again, anybody listening that's a first responder. I mean, you guys are incredible firefighters, EMTs, you know, police officers, etc. That have had to corral people in and around uh, California because literally in the last six weeks, California has has been on fire. So we're we're just thankful that these people have been there and. And helping save people and property, et cetera. But uh, happy to be talking with you. Glad you're in Ohio. And I've got a lot of I feel like, Jen, we've got to go out to Ohio. I feel I like know. we've got a lot of friends out in Ohio. A lot of a lot of guests that have come on. So we I think do. we're gonna have to make a trip out to Ohio and, and uh See some. And so maybe we'll be knocking on your door, Brian, at some point in the future. Probably a plan.
0: Yep. We've got plenty of room.
1: <laughs> well, for the benefit of our listeners, you know, obviously you and I have had a couple different pre-show conversations. But, you know, tell us uh, a little bit more about your family um, and you're living in Ohio. What do you do for a living? Uh, you married? You got kids? That good stuff.
0: Oh yeah. So family, I, I have, uh, three kids that are just, uh, uh I mean, I'm everybody says the kids are amazing, but mine really are. Um, <laughs> I'm and, sure they are. <laughs> so my oldest is 25. He'll be, uh, getting married here in February. Uh, he just graduated in May from the university of Cincinnati with his masters in architecture. So he's going to become an architect. Um, uh, and he is doing great things in the world. He's and all three of my kids are super smart. So just uh, they're nothing like me. They <laughs> after their mom, which is great. Um, my daughter uh, is getting her master's in education right now from Bowling Green State University up in Bowling Green, Ohio, and she is uh, doing really well. Just uh, uber smart, all A's, all that. So just uh, really proud of her. And then my youngest son is. Well, he's turning 21 on Saturday. Um, so he is a junior at Ohio State, and he is studying uh, aerospace engineering. Wow.
1: wow. So, you do have some smart yeah. kids. I'll tell you right <laughs> off the right yeah. off the bat. I, I can tell you got some yeah. kids that like math, too, you know?
0: <laughs> they do. Yeah. And they're all good. I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. And they love to read, too, which is another funny thing. So, well, you d- know, I, I was never a reader when I was their age. Yeah.
1: Well, um, you know, I... But I, anyway, then... I was going to say, yeah, neither was I, but Jen and I, we have uh, four boys, so we have similar ages. We had two real quick, you know, they're 24 and 23, and then we backed off for six and a half years and had two more, which those two are 16 and 14. So, we've got two sets of two, you know, spanning Hmm. with a distance of six and a half years between them.
0: Huh, that's funny. (laughs) Well, it worked out well Well, for uh, us, you know,
1: built-in babysitters.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. What a deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also have a wife. Uh, my wife of um, thirty years. We were married uh, thirty years at, as of September first, and uh, so she's doing really well. She's uh, off working today, and uh, her job as a corporate caterer. So she's a, a caterer. She's a not. She doesn't own the catering company, but she helps to support it. So she's doing a lot of admin stuff for them. So she loves the job just uh doing well everything is everyone's healthy you know this day and age you gotta ask if everybody's healthy everybody's yes. safe so you know we're, we're all there and we're doing well so it's it's good it's a good place to be a good place to you know columbus ohio is a great place to to raise a family and uh, lots of stuff going on here we have oh, and for me uh, my career my career is a as a speaker so that's my main role is i go out and i speak with Organizations all across the country and the world, if they want me to, in regards to helping them to embrace their own personal blindness to achieve a greater vision for their lives. So that's what I do day in and day out. Is is that? And well, I love. Process, I love that. I'm, well, thank you.
1: I love that uh, uh, that you have you know the ability to take your life experiences and share them. To the world with a with a concise message, and uh, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the simplicity of it, but I also appreciate the hustle that it takes to make a living in that industry. And so, kudos to you for being able to to do that and uh, to work with companies and work with individuals, you know, throughout the the nation and the world.
0: And so, the process that I take people through is a process of going from blindness to sight to vision. So that's the whole process and that's the groundwork for our company it's the framework and we're able to do that with uh, a lot of success I, I tell my own story of how i i went from blindness to sight division i uh, i was blind at one point and i wasn't able to see and then i i got to a point where you know and this is also a sort of a metaphorical reference as well because when you're blind you don't always see what you should be seeing there may be things you're missing that you should be seeing and once you come to sight you begin to see your blind spots. And I talk a lot about blind spots and how we we all have blindness in our lives. And if we can understand we have blindness, we can identify our blind spots or at least have somebody help there with us, help to identify our blind spots, then we can start to see through them. And as we see through those blind spots, we're going to begin to step into more of an awareness of ourselves and the world around us. And then once we come to a point of sight, awareness, and then we have acceptance, so my process of acceptance was I needed to accept the person that I was. I needed to accept the fact that I have, you know, visual impairments. And I needed to accept that this is kind of my new normal. So if you could see me, I have one eye open, I have one eye closed. Well, <clears throat> a lot of people would think, well, this is what makes him unique, is one eye open. Well, that's not really what makes me unique. What makes me unique is the fact that I, don't, that I have a positive personality. And it allows me to share my story with other people. In order to help them improve their lives,
1: let's let's uh, let's let's pause right there because I, I want to go back and I want to go deeper into uh, what actually caused you to lose your sight. So, from what I was understanding on on reading your your website, you were diagnosed as a child with some sort of a of a degenerative problem that would po- often or could take your sight away from you. So you you had sight, but you had some awareness that this was going to be an issue. And then you also speak to a a really what I would imagine to be a frightful and scary day in 2011. So just walk walk us through your early childhood, the diagnosis and then, you know, what happened in uh, 2011.
0: Yeah. So in 1977, when I was 10 years old, so real quick, that makes me 53. Um, (laughs) In case you're wondering, Uh, but I'm good.
1: At, I'm good at math. When... Jen, Jen probably appreciated you saying the actual age. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her start pulling out her fingers, and she was going, "Okay, 50 old, she held Sean. Okay, I got uh-huh.
0: it. <laughs> There's always a reference point. It's so all good. Um, but anyway, so I did have a. Uh, I had brains. Uh, I didn't have brains for at that point. I had a shunt put into my head. So a shunt is in between my skull and my um, skin. It runs all the way down the left side of my body, and it drains the excess, excess cranial fluid from my brain to my abdomen. Because you're normally supposed to have a, uh, a uh, tube in there, a spot where it drains the fluid, but my, for whatever reason, my shunt is closed off. So they put the shunt in. I still have it to this day. and Is it external or there. is it internal? It, it's, uh, it's internal, but... I'm uh, still on the outside of my skull. Okay. So I, if I if you were to run your fingers down the side of my head, you can feel the big lump of the tube that runs all the way down. Yeah, I just wasn't so sure if start- it was
1: one of those things where it was it was something that would affect your ability to to get dressed or You know, if it was external of your skin, but it sounds like it's running. You know, from your uh, outside of your skull, but under your skin through your body down into your abdomen.
0: Right. Exactly. Okay. So, like I said, that was when I was 10. Uh, uh, lots of stuff happened uh, in between the occurrence of 2010, or I'm sorry, from when I was 10 until I was 43. But in essence, you know, we can skim over most of that. Well, part of that, they, they discovered that I, because I was having some other issues, uh, and they discovered that I had a cavernous, a cavernous malformation. Or they call it short for a cab mal. But a cavernous malformation, is a malformed blood vessel. They can form anywhere in your body, but mine just happened to have formed in my brainstem, and well, so it bled a couple times, and it caused me to have numbness on the right side of my body. It uh, caused me to you know, not see right at one certain points, but uh, it all came back. Everything came back for the most part until 2011, when I was in um, actually in Cleveland, which is about two hours north of me, and I was in an all-day training session. And I started to have feelings of. You know my sight not being quite right. Well, I made it back home and you know, laid on the couch that night because I didn't want to, you know, wake up the family. So when I woke up and I needed to use the restroom, I, everything was everything was a lot darker than it was uh, normally. So stumbled my way to the restroom and turned on the light switch, and that's when uh, I saw that. Well, I didn't see. <laughs> I saw that I didn't see. I, I was blind at that point and had to realize that I needed help. So Connie heard the, the commotion, she came downstairs and she was horrified. Um, and when she she saw me, she was um, she, she was asking what happened what had what, what happened And you know that was uh, one of the scariest moments of my life uh, was when that all happened. So my eyes, and that was um, the fir- that word. was the first
1: time that it, you had ever lost it to that degree and lost it in both eyes. Correct. And so, so both- I sorry, I just I you know, in my in my mind I'm just imagining what you must have have felt and or what must have been racing through your your mind at that moment. I mean, I you know, I think it's always uh, to me more difficult when I imagine people that have suffered from some sort of blindness, I, I think, you know, it's almost better to be born without sight because then you don't really know what you're missing. But yet if you've had sight right. and then you lose it, then, you know, so I've gone back and forth on which one is actually better, you know, like, is it better to have had it and lose it or to have never had it at all? And then you don't even have a reference point for all the beauty that it could be. I, you know, I don't know. So, you know, I guess I'm just wondering that had to have been a terrifying experience for you right in that moment.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, both of my eyes were swollen shut, but on top of that, my eyelids wouldn't work, so I couldn't see. And if I did lift my eyelids so I could see any, any image or anything, uh, both of my eyes didn't go together, so I saw double. So, I have an image, I have an image, one image, and I have another image out of the right eye. So, it's difficult. So that has never come back. I'm, I still don't have uh, the ability to see normally. Uh, you know, that one vision, uh, nothing less than double vision, and I still have my right eye doesn't open. So, you know, that's, uh, that's just who I am, and that's, uh, that's the identity that I have. That's uh, how people recognize me all over the place, because as I say, I'm Brian with one eye.
1: <laughs> I I love your personality and I love your attitude toward it. I think, I, you know, going to what we talked about before, you know, you can either you can either find a way to to persevere and laugh about things or you can be a, a puddle of mess in a fetal position, you know, in some corner. And um, I, I just like that you bring humor to the situation as as well. That had to have been terrifying for your wife. As well to imagine that. I mean, I can only imagine, Jen. What you yeah. know, if all of a sudden, I came downstairs, or if I was somewhere and I and I literally had no function, couldn't see. Mm-hmm. Like, how terrifying would that be yeah, for you? Yeah, that'd be horrible. Well, and just a little FYI, Jen. Like, Jen, Jen has more challenges in the eye department. I already than, can't see. Yeah, she has more challenges in the eye department than I do. So like I'm, I'm always the one driving. She won't drive yeah. at night. I, you know, it's, it I, ha-
2: I have that one eye. I'm Jennifer with one eye.
1: Yeah. She, she, <laughs>
2: nice.
1: she has one Very eye nice. that, that does not listen. And it's uh, a
2: lazy eye.
1: Sometimes it goes one direction or the other, or it's,
0: <laughs> it's not listening. I think it's cute. <laughs> Uh, so well, how did Connie yeah, respond? So we were... How did
1: how did she handle the situation at the at the time?
0: Oh yeah, it was not good. I mean, she was horrified. She didn't know what to do. Um, you know, we we end up uh, she had to apply because we had to apply to doctors. So there were three different doctors. They recommended we go to, and they gave them to us in order. They one, two, three. Um, so their number one was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Number two was in. At Stanford, the number three was in the Cleveland. Uh, so we live in Cleveland, or we live in Columbus, why, why aren't we in Ohio. Anyway, let's just go to Cleveland. Well, we met with a guy up there. Um, we got in to see him. Thankfully, it was hard to get in to see, but when we did, after about an hour and a half of conversation and telling him everything that was going on, Tony said, "So if you were us, and he knew that we were going to see." potentially see this doctor in Phoenix, Connie said, you know, if you were us, what would you do? He said, well, I'd go to Phoenix. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> simple. But we did. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, April 1st of 2011, you know, I had brain surgery in Phoenix, Arizona. That's that was the whole, the whole thing. And I, and I thought, I thought once I had brain surgery, everything was going to come back. You know, we're it's all good. You know, it's all going to come back. Well, that didn't happen. Was the
1: brain uh, surgery you know. to deal with the cavernous uh, blood vessel, whatever that was described? I, yeah. I can't remember the exact language of that.
0: Cavmell, the cavmell. Yes. Yeah. So um, that was to remove the cavmell that had bled. Now, what's funny is I don't, I don't usually say this, but I have another cab mouth that's in that's in my head as well. It's in my in my brainstem, but it's not not so far back into my brainstem. It's more towards the, the front of my brainstem. You know, it's it's closer to the uh, the nerves that control my uh, digestive system and my breathing and some things like that. So, you know. Uh, we don't
1: is, worry about that. Is so. There's no probability of that having some sort of a similar occurrence and affecting your body in in some negative way.
0: I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that there's no possibility. It, it hasn't happened yet.
1: Got it. It's it's one of those things that you're you're, you're choosing to uh, think positive about and continue on. Not not live in fear.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely.
1: So you had the brain surgery, and um, you had thought that that would take care of and or reduce significantly, or if not eliminate the problem of not being able to see problem with your eyes. And so you have the surgery. And then when do you realize that that wasn't the case?
0: Well, they told me I needed to wait three months after surgery before I went to see an ophthalmologist and the ophthalmologist was going to help me to straighten out my eyes. Um, So we did that. We uh, saw the ophthalmologist, which was painful for me because you know, I didn't want to wait. I wanted to just get back to normal. Um, and, and we saw the ophthalmologist, like, oh, I think I can help you. So he moved the muscles around on my, on my eyeball. So I had two, well, three surgeries by him, and it just didn't work. So, you know, whatever he did wasn't what I needed. So January of uh, 2012, when I just kind of gave up on uh, that whole thing. Um, I for six months, I wasn't able to drive. So Connie drove me to all my meetings. I, I, I was in IT sales at the point. So her information technology. And she took me to all my accounts that I needed to go to and sat in the uh, parking lot while I had my meeting where I was trying to see and trying to write and trying to think and trying to talk. Uh, so, it was, so it was kind of a hot mess for uh, for quite a while.
1: How did <laughs> but, How did you handle that emotionally? How did you deal with that? setback because here you are it's it I imagine every day is just you know a Herculean effort to to get through it given the challenges that you're facing you're trying to adjust to it I imagine you had to try to make some accommodations at home too and then now you're walking into every appointment going okay am I am I going to be able to present myself and or articulate what I want to articulate to these folks and, you know, move this process forward all the time, you know, dealing with the biggest struggle of your life at that moment. So how how did you persevere through that at that time? Were you a faithful person? Did you rely on spirituality? Was Connie coming beside you and and lifting you up? Like, how how did you weather it? Uh, Well, the faith
0: definitely was a, a big component um you know connie definitely lifted me up you know music helped me a lot i drank uh, a lot of bourbon uh (laughs) during that time understood understood so you know and that's the the honest truth you know uh all those things helped me to to get to where you know i could um have the confidence to go in and talk to people now i've never been one to shy away from confidence so i've I've always been one that uh, could talk a little bit and have a conversation with almost anyone. I, I'd never met a stranger. Um, so that's a good part of the personality that, you know, I have from my dad has just fueled me to, to get to, to where I am.
1: Well, that's, that's great. And so you are going to all your appointments. Connie's taking you, you're supposed to wait three months. And then, you know, at some point you realize, it's not coming back to the degree that you thought it was. That was at that six month part, Mark, or was that beforehand?
0: Yeah, it was probably at the six month part. Really, six months would have been I think, October or November. So I, I had a, a training that I wanted to go to for a uh, information technology company that I that I worked with. And that we sell as a part of a, uh, we sold at the company that I was at. So I went to this uh, conference in San Francisco. No, it was in Las Vegas. And I, I vividly remember, you know, going there, not being able to drive, didn't have a driver's license, got to the uh, place where I was supposed to go. And I went to the conference for one day and then I came back to my hotel room. At about five o'clock, and I laid on the couch, and I was just exhausted because uh, seeing seeing that much. I mean, for one, Vegas is a, there's a lot to see anyways, but with one eye and it doesn't move very well, so it was over over, over how do I call it over
1: overstimulated overstimulus
0: overstimulated yeah overstimulated. Um, so I, I at the end of the day, it was five o'clock. You know, I I laid down and I took a nap. Well, my nap lasted until about four o'clock the next morning. So, Connie, being nervous that I was out there on my own, um, she was like, she was trying to call me, and I was supposed to call her because we have this uh, arrangement. I always call her um, and tell her how I'm doing. And the fact that I didn't call her, and then when she called me, I didn't call her back. Um, It was uh, it was probably the worst i would think it would be one of the worst times for her because of me not being you know, responsive so i've had Jen, other Jen, Jen just shaking where
1: I, her head right now going <laughs> and I'm, i imagine I'd, I'd be almost dead yeah. by the time i got back home she would
0: <laughs> she
1: she would have she, yeah. she would have handled me i'll tell you that much right now i couldn't get a hold of you I,
0: I've, yeah yeah i've had other instances where i've gone into a coma um uh, so one time we were living in chicago at this time and i was in davenport iowa and, uh, I was, I went into a, into a coma and they had to break down the door of my hotel room to get me out. And then she was actually traveling and she was in St. Missouri and she came up and had to get me out. And it was, so I have a history with that. So when I went to Las Vegas and didn't answer the phone, yeah,
1: it was not a good idea. <laughs> oh, Lord. I can I can only imagine. Now, was the, I mean, these episodes of the coma, was that still a function of your, the problems with your sight or the, the MavCal Cab or CavMal? Yeah. CavMal? <laughs> was that, was, I mean, that was did dope. that trigger that?
0: Um, I think so. I, I think it did. Um, you know, there was uh, one occurrence in, uh, well, that was in 92 when we were in, in Chicago. Um, and it in Davenport, but then there was another occurrence in 90, I don't know, 95, 96. And that was in Columbus. So, uh, I, I went, uh, I went out then too, but I was at home that time. So at least I, uh, didn't come to when I was at home. Um, I, yeah, I think it was because of, uh, of that whole situation. So,
1: you finally you're at a at a point where you realize, okay, this is going to be my new normal and one of the the quotes that I love that you have on your website is that I lost my sight but I ended up with my vision so tell us how you you really attacked the circumstance and and really kind of rose out of it because you were in it sales or software sales and then now now you're a speaker so walk us through how your life changed over those next Year two years, etc., where you came to have that radical vision that you have,
0: yeah. So, this happened in 2011. Um, my daughter wrote me a, a Father's Day letter that year, and she, and I still have the letter to this day. I usually read it uh, for all of my speeches because it is the most impactful letter to other people and helps them to understand, you know. Uh, who you are, and to what 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 value you have on the earth. What, what what's your purpose? So you know, she told me in the letter. She's like, uh, "Dear Dad," and I'm, I can recite it to you. Please do, yeah, because it's yeah. So, dear Dad, Happy Dad's Day. I hope you have a great day because you definitely deserve it. All the cards, the TV commercials always say, "My dad's the best," but they're all lying. Sure, other people's dads are great. I mean, they're younger than you. They're they're sportier and and they're funnier, but you've got something that other dads don't have: bravery. Even after everything you've been through, you still get out of bed in the morning. You still go out and cook on the grill and joke around with us, even though you have half one good eye. But you do more still. You teach me that even though you you go through the most toughest, grueling things, that if you just believe. Believe that God is right there with you through everything. Then everything will turn out okay in the end. You're going to make it out alive. You're going to make it out alive. Not always unscathed, but alive. And giving me that hope, that sense of belief. Well, I take that over dad with two good eyes any day.
1: Love, Jeff. Oh, that that. was awesome. Yeah, like the hope part too.
0: Yeah. So there you go. So right there, she showed me, you know, stop comparing myself to other people. You know, other people's dads are great. They're younger than they're in front of they But I mean, forget about that. So I tell talk to people about how they need to stop comparing themselves to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk to people about how they, they need to have faith and they need to understand what makes them unique. What What is it that you are? I mean, so for me, I was her dad. That's all she wanted to be was her dad. Mm-hmm. So, other people need to know what they are to somebody else and just be that. So at the end of this uh, letter, I, I talked to people about, you know, when's the last time you had a letter sent to you like that? I got a better question. When's the last time you wrote a letter like that? Mm. And then that's really where the impact happens, is because I have people write letters to the their one. So I, the one for me was this doctor in Phoenix who is your one? You know, there's always one. There's, there's one person at one certain time, one certain point in your life that helped you to get to the next step. So who was that one? Who had the biggest impact in your life? Who were the biggest encouragers? So, um, anyways, if you asked me about, uh, what happened and I think I've totally sidetracked you. Um,
3: <laughs> it's okay.
0: With, with, uh, that whole thing. So, that has, has helped me to get to where I am now. You also asked um, what else. What else happened in 2011 in terms of my faith, my journey? So I had a number of people around me, and these people were great, strong Christian men. But they got me to meet with different people, and they had different people come into, in into my life that I didn't expect. Well, one of these guys, it um, was he had just written a book. And the book is called The Deeper Path. And The Deeper Path is all about understanding your purpose in life, which was exactly perfect for me. What's my purpose? So I went through that book and and then continued on with him for the next, well, now it's been seven years. And he has been extremely helpful to get me to where I am. Now, he told me, you know, go through this, do what you're doing, but don't quit your day job. So I went from job to job to job and I felt like at the end of that last job, I was finally breaking free of the corporate world and I stopped my IT sales and I thought that the, I was going to be a speaker and thought that, that that was what my lot in life was. Well, yes, it is. It is what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I am supposed to be out there encouraging other people and encourage them to be an encouragers as well. So, I thought that that's how it was going to go, but Finding, a, finding speaking engagements is really, really hard.
1: Um, <laughs> I can only imagine it's not, it's not yeah, for the faint, faint of heart, that's for sure. You got to hustle.
0: Yeah, and then, and then you also have to you also have to improve your speaking skills along the way. You can improve your speech. All that is really important for you to be a better speaker and to get more speaking engagements. Uh, so as we're going through this, I had a friend who was looking for uh, some speaking engagements for me. And he found a speaking engagement at the Ohio School for the Blind. I'm like, I, so I said, time out. I said, I, I, I don't want to speak at the School for the Blind. For one, they're probably not going to pay me, which nobody did pay me anyway at that point. <laughs> um, for two, I, I don't want to, I'm not a blind school speaker. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a blind guy. But I kind of am. Um, you know, I, I should be the one speaking with blind people. So I I finally accepted the uh, the meeting and took the meeting and it was actually a two part meeting. So I went one day and I went back the next day and I uh, talked with the, the students about you know my process, what I've gone through, and all that. <laughs> and uh, the principal comes up to me afterwards and she's like, "You have no idea what you've just done." Said, well, what? <laughs> she said, "Well, you know, you showed that this girl." you know, that you could have a successful life, even though you're visually impaired, you still could have a successful life. And by the way, the girl also had a shunt. And just being there with the students really showed me a lot. And then so that was day one. Day two, Connie came with me. And, you know, we were there and uh, did a presentation again. And then the after the after the uh, presentation, the principal comes up and you have no idea what you've just done. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a repeat, like Groundhog Day. Yeah, I was just gonna say Uh, Groundhog Day. I said, what is it this time? She said, well, you know, there was this one boy in the group and his best friend died in a plane crash three months ago. And no one has ever, he's never talked to anyone about it until just now. He he talked about it in your session. I'm like, oh wow, I I had no idea. So I, I realized that I am delivering value to the students and there's a lot that has to be offered. Well, fast forward six months and she has a position open on the after-school program. Um, so I'm now an after-school program coordinator for them and I actually help them with all of the different clubs that they have in the after-school uh, network. So it's, uh, it's not what I wanted. I didn't want to work there. But at the same time, I needed to work there because, you know, not finding speaking engagement, you need to have another source of income. And that source of income not only has, has the, the school provided so much for me to, in terms of my personal growth and understanding what, what blind is actually see and all of that, but the stories as well, it's also, you know, supplied, supplied a, a good source of revenue because the revenue comes from, you know, the 21st century grant, which is a a federal grant that they received for the after school program. So
1: what I love about that that story is quite honestly it's it's like what kicked around in my head is these divine connections. Sometimes, you know, like if you're spiritual, if you're faithful like I am, you know, you look back on your life and you see moments where God put somebody in your path, and like He had to like almost hit you upside the head a couple of times in order for you to kind of understand what the purpose of that person was in your life. That's happened to me, and it sounds like you know you were begrudged. I don't want to go there, and then you go there, and then it's like a ooh, that was a win. That kind of felt good, you know. The comment about the girl yeah. and you know helping, and then the next day, ooh, here's another one, and then that that divine connection leads to an opportunity where now you're not in you know, technology sales any longer. And now you actually are doing what you want to do, what you love to do, encouraging other people through your own experiences. And, and it's like, whoa, how awesome was that? Like that, 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 just yeah. that divine connection that happened. And then it made all the difference, you know, moving forward.
0: Yeah, because as I'm sitting on the, my kitchen room floor, you know, in 2011, after I had surgery, I, I mean, I made a promise. I made a promise to God that if I could get through this uh, and have my site back, I wanted to be able to help other people. And that's that's what it meant. I didn't know what I, I didn't know what that meant at the time. <laughs> you didn't know the I, form I, I, it I was going to take.
1: You, did, you didn't know that was yeah. going to be at the School for the Blind, Ohio School for the Blind, after-school exactly. program. I,
0: here, I, here I am, a former IT sales guy. I used to work for IBM and companies like IBM all across the country. I would travel around the world and do all this stuff, you know, to help other people with their IT needs, and now I'm going to be a speaker. I'm I'm going to help other people with the, uh, the, what they're struggling with. And so I you know, how, how do you do that, Brian? You can't even balance your own checkbook. How are you going to help someone that's struggling with their finances? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, how are you gonna? you gonna? You don't have a degree, so how are you going to provide for your family? How are you gonna? How are you gonna put your your kids through college? How is that going to happen? Uh,
1: I don't know the promise I made. <laughs> I yeah. got keep it. God says, yeah, just sit back, watch. I got you covered. Are you faithful? Are you ready? Are are you are you are you ready? Yeah. Do you trust me? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. So yeah. so you you through that process began to do more and more speaking engagements and then you started to refine your message even further. Is is that how it it, it kind of got to the point that it's at now?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I've I've had uh, <clears throat> I've had speaking engagements all across the country. So uh, I'm going to do one next week, uh, the week after next, and it's going to be in Oregon. So I, I actually will be virtual. Um, but you know, that's the farthest west I've kind of gone, <laughs> even though it's virtual. But yeah, I've gone as far east as New Jersey, and um, i now I the main group I speak to, believe it or not. Is the group that supports the intellectual developmentally disabled. So I don't know how I stumbled across this uh, niche. Uh, why anybody ever called me from there, but the group in Ohio had me come out and I spoke with them, and then they said, you know, you should go see the guy in Pennsylvania, and then from there, I got a call from a lady in Texas, and then from there, I've been in Missouri, Illinois, Oregon. Indiana. it's just been amazing. So, you know, that's, that's who I'm speaking to right
1: now. Oh, I, I love that. I think that that's, that's really, really good. That's awesome. That's uh, you know, I think you making progress in the, in the new normal, I was going to ask you how uh, COVID affected you because obviously, you know, it's like one thing after another. And I know I've talked to other speakers that, literally went from, you know, two dozen, three dozen bookings to nothing overnight. And so have you been able to kind of rally um, and still find a, a path forward with your speaking engagements, even during COVID?
0: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I didn't have a lot of engagements set up beforehand, before COVID, for the year anyway. I had a few, but all of those stayed on. And then I had couple that signed up with me back in early April, which was amazing. I'm like, how could this happen? And they signed up. So they've stayed on, and um, that's been great. Uh, One of them has been delayed until next year, but still, I've been able to speak with them, and uh, then here recently, uh, probably about a month ago, I had two more that signed up with me. So, you know, just when I'm really at a point where I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I feel like we're going to need to maybe dip into the four hundred and one k again, or maybe we need to dip into something else. You know, something happens, and and it's a lot of hard work. But still, there's a way. There's somehow a way, and I know I know who's doing it. So do I? I, I, Yeah, it's it's awesome to see. It's stressful because, uh, and you got to be faithful but it happens it always happens
1: it's like the the uh, lighter you hold on to it the easier it is to let him work but the the holding lightly is the hard part especially for type a driver type personalities you know i struggle with that myself you know like like you, i just want to exert my control over as many of the aspects of my life as i can and i've realized that over time i've got to relinquish that control in order for god to show up and show out and you know, uh, and, and renew my faith in that, in that process. And so speaking of, of faith, I want to talk with you a, a bit about what you had said before, that y- you now have the benefit of looking back over your life's experiences and the, the pitfalls and the tribulations, the trials, etc. And you said something to start the show that you, you don't any longer view this as something that happened to you, but you view it as something that happened for you. In what ways? How do you mean that?
0: Well, I mean, uh, I used to think, because I've heard other people say, uh, you know, whispers or whatever, you know, oh, man, I wonder what he did. Uh, why, what did he do to deserve this? I, I don't think that way. I don't ever, haven't, I don't know if I've ever thought that way. But I feel like uh, this is not something that has happened, not, it's not something that has happened uh, to me. I, I still feel as though, you know, this is what's happened for me. And it's being allowed to continue to, to be with me so I can help other people, so I can, so I can share uh, my share my journey with other people to, to bring them closer to God and to bring myself closer to God. Because, you know, it's a continual process of, like you said, of faith and understanding the journey and why the journey is there. And the obstacles are the journey. You know, you got to understand that those those so the obstacles are, are being put in place for a reason. And uh, for some reason, you know, uh, my dad always used to say, you know, uh, the good Lord w- uh, wouldn't give you more than you could handle. Um, never gives you more than you could handle. But uh, I just wish he didn't think I could handle so much. Jet
1: <laughs> is that not what
0: you say yeah, all the time?
2: I say that all the time. Oh my gosh. Why
1: why why did he make my shoulders so big so I could handle all of this? You know, why he <laughs> yeah. must he must really think highly of me with all yes. the stuff I gotta handle, kind of thing, right? Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you go, Oh yeah. geez. Well, you know, I, I guess uh as we close out the show, I I'm just curious, you know, I imagine in in, in this year, twenty twenty, I mean it's been a year where everyone has been touched by I think some level of adversity, unless you're, you're Jeff Bezos, and and I think that he's only gotten um, you know more advantageous and and, and better in 2020 with uh, everything that's happening on Amazon and online purchases. But most of us, most of us are now facing challenges. You know, whether it be financial, whether it be job, whether it be physical, whether it be you know, I, I've heard a lot of couples have you know, gotten divorces and or had problems because of the pandemic. I've heard others that it's brought them closer. But you know, I imagine there's somebody out there struggling dealing with their own version of your loss of sight. And whether it's a financial struggle, or whether it's a physical struggle, it, you know, remains to be seen. But going what you through what you went through, you know, what would you say to maybe give somebody some hope? What would you say to, to help them maybe persevere through their trials right now based on what you've been through in your life?
0: I would say to keep going, no matter, no matter what happens, just keep going, keep, keep uh, taking action, keep working on what it is you, you want to do, what, what it is you think you're here for, what it is you, you think your, uh, your purpose is in life. Um, now continue to make sure that you provide for your families and provide for your loved ones, all that, that's really important, but understand that the obstacles that are put in place are put there for a reason. And as you're going to go on and continue through life, appreciate, appreciate those obstacles. It's a hard thing to, to think about at this point, but those obstacles are the way.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think in our own personal life, you know, like the this Hope Radio Podcast was born out of the pandemic. It was born out of an obstacle. It was born out of a of a trial, out of a of a year in which everyone was in a in a situation where they're going, Okay, this the future's uncertain. What is this gonna look like? I mean we're all sharing a collective experience of, with something that we'd never dealt with before. And I think that, that that can happen if you allow it. Like sometimes the, the disadvantages, the trials, the, the challenges that we go through, that those challenges and, and, and those trials will lead us to our purpose, will lead us to our destiny. I've never felt like I was doing more with what I believe to be my purpose than this year, and it had to come at the result of a pandemic. So, you know, I think sometimes uh, these things do happen for us, for sure.
0: I agree. I, I wish I had more, uh, more, uh, philosophical and, uh, you know, uh, badly advice, but you
1: know. <laughs> I think your advice was awesome. I think it was perfect. I think you, I think you've been an awesome guest and I, and I, it, I thank you for the way that you have approached the disadvantage that was, uh, was given to you and how you've handled that and how you've risen. I, I love that you've taken a disadvantage in your life and used it to come alongside others and lift them up. And I think that that, that's awesome. I think that we can all, if we all learn one lesson, take the disadvantages that we've dealt with, use those as fuel to help others. I think that that would be a beautiful lesson for us all to learn in 2020.
0: Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, we we, thank you. It's been great. All right, Jim, what'd you think about our interview with Brian Wagner?
2: What a scary experience!
1: I know, right?
2: I cannot even imagine. I don't. I don't even want to think about it. Like, well,
1: I, I thought of you during the interview because, mm-hmm. like, you, you, as you have aged, you have had more and more challenges with your. Is it long vision? Is it short? Like, what, what, what exactly is your? I can't challenge?
2: see close up.
1: Okay. So you need glasses to see things that are close. Yeah. So that's why to put on glasses to read or put on glasses. Does that to, mean I'm
2: nearsighted or farsighted? Uh, As yeah. you can tell, I don't go to the doctors to get glasses. <laughs> I diagnose myself. I can't see.
1: You, you are fairly defiant.
2: I have high deductible, so.
1: <laughs> you got a high deductible plan, so you're not going to go.
2: If I can't see, I just can't see, so.
1: Well, I, I just think this whole idea of... of you know, navigating today's world Mm -hmm. without eyesight just seems really, really scary. And I think that that's, you know, really what he talks about. And so to go through that process and and to really have it last six months and then the whole time you're hoping that it gets better and better and then you realize that this is going to be your new norm, kind of like the pandemic, right? You hope and hope and hope it's going to get better and it just feels like you got to acclimate to a new normal. It's just so
2: freaky because you don't know, like, am I ever going to see again? Yeah. You know, six months is a long time to wake up every day and realize, nope, not today. Yeah. Like, I, that's really, that's uh, horrible.
1: You know, I like what he says. I, I lost my sight, but ended up with my vision. I mm-hmm. think that that's a really important distinction between the two. You, yeah. can, you can have sight, but no vision. Vision speaks to the future and yeah. goals and progress and living your best life yeah. and, you know, uh, reaching for the stars. And, and I really think that he's taken a crappy situation mm-hmm. and, and turned the best fruit out of it. And I think yeah. that God wants that for us. You know, it didn't happen to him, but it's happened for him right. so that most likely he can find his purpose and his destiny for the future.
2: Yeah, it's such a great perspective.
1: Yeah, I I agree. So uh, I encourage people to follow us okay. on... All of the podcast Mm -hmm. platforms, you know, if you consume podcasts on Apple Podcasts, follow us there. If you do so on Stitcher or Spotify or SoundCloud, follow us there. Yes. And uh, you can tell Amazon Alexa, play Hope Radio podcast and Amazon Alexa will play our podcast. And then we would love for you to get connected with us socially. So how do people do that?
2: Well, we can be found on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast.
1: And uh, if you can find us there, send us a message if you've got a story of hope yourself or if you know somebody Mm -hmm. that has a story of hope, you know, send us a direct message and uh, maybe we put you on the the show. Yeah. It'd be fun to interview somebody. We've had one guest that has done that already. We've had one person come on that was sourced through our Instagram account. So we're looking for number two. We love that. Yeah. And here's what I think we should do. What should we do? I... Had so much fun today. Mm -hmm. I think we should do another podcast. All right. And guess what? What? Here's a glimpse. Here's a little piece. Here's a nugget. Here's a tease of tomorrow's podcast. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is something I'm throwing out to you right now, so I'm going to tease it right now for your benefit. What is it? Well, you got to listen. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Here's a preview of our upcoming next episode, number 95 of the Hope Radio Podcast.
2: Well, my... Story really, or I would say that my life really turned around 10 years ago when I was diagnosed with a very aggressive and rare form of cancer. This is called the T cell lymphoma. And it was a, a journey before I was diagnosed for one and a half years. I went back and forth with different. Uh, doctors trying to figure out what was wrong with me.